Welcome, welcome all to another episode of your favorite podcast. I'm Redbeard. This handsome devil joining me is Targo. Welcome that would back. Be me. Welcome back. Welcome back, my friend. How was your cruise? It was very nice. Relaxing, a little chilly. It was up in Alaska, so. That is chilly. Well, not literally, but anyways. Uh, episode 69, so. Uh, nice. <laughs> very nice. <laughs> Make sure to check out our Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, our YouTube channel. Check out our Redbubble. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Make sure you give us five stars on all your favorite social media platforms. It really helps us get out into the algorithm so we get to more people. We really appreciate you guys' support. Thank you very much. And Thank with you. that, episode 69, Champions League match day one recap. Match day six review in the English Premier League. Our Fab Five games to watch. And you get to find out who won the last two weeks of our predictions. <laughs> All right. <laughs> With that, let's get kicking. All right, Targo. You ready? Let's get into this. A few pieces of news first. Barcelona's financial woes have continued as La Liga slashed their spending cap by almost 400 million euros for the new season, dropping them from 649 million to 270 million. Real Madrid once again have the highest limit in La Liga for the 23-24 campaign at 727 million. Atletico's is slightly higher than Barca's at 296 million. That is a ginormous gap. In Interesting Atletico's is higher than Barca's. I assume it's because of all their financial troubles. Yeah. Not many outgoings, a lot of incomings. So, uh, And probably what is the greatest unveiling of a contract extension? Kyle Walker has signed a two-year deal at Manchester City that will keep him there until 2026. And they hit him with the Wolf of Wall Street. I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> yeah, I, I did see that. <laughs> that was great. Uh, going nowhere. Arsenal, <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Arsenal's chief executive, Vinay Benkatesham. I probably should have said that faster because it sounded awkward. Uh, he'll <laughs> leave the club next summer. He's been with Arsenal for 14 years in different roles, and he's done a fantastic job. So thank you. Then I, you have put Arsenal back on the right track. I'm interested to see who replaces him. Same. Julian Draxler has left PSG for Qatar's Al Ali on a free transfer. Man, what a player he used to be. I know. And he kind of went to PSG and then disappeared. Took a poop. Just took a fat dump, man. Yep. Nice, big, fat one. Julian Nagelsmann has been hired as the new boss of Germany's national team. They're men's national. My surprise face. Yeah, this is my surprise face. Pretty inevitable. Uh, Some injury news. We got some bad news for Brentford. Rico Henry suffered a season-ending knee injury in training. That sucks. Continue the never-ending knee injuries. Tottenham's Ivan Perisic tore his ACL in training. He will also be out the rest of the season. 
Bernardo Silva facing lengthy timeout after coming off injured against Red Star Belgrade. And Frankie De Jong is set to be out over a month with an ankle injury, which might keep him out of El Clasico, which is October 28th. And then our last piece of news, Tottenham have signed 16-year-old defender Luka Vuskovic from Paduk Split for $12.5 million. Uh, he'll stay there on loan until he's 18. Is that a lot for a 16-year-old? It is the highest ever. So, yes, it is a lot for a 16-year-old. <laughs> all right, Targo, for the what we've all been waiting for, the Champions League. What are League you drinking? Back. That's what we're waiting for, man. No, the Champions League. But yes. Oh, okay, that too, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I'll go first. Uh, I have from Hopworks Brewing. It is Great Gourds of Fire Pumpkin Ale with Ancho Chilies and Spices. That's a it's like a spicy looking pumpkin. It's a pumpkin with its mouth open where the name is and then flames behind it. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Well, how is it, man? Let us know. It smells very pumpkin-y. So that might not be a good thing. <laughs> Your pumpkin pumpkin spice beer? Well, it's that time of year. Um I'm gonna say it's very subtle pumpkin, even though it smells like it. It's more cinnamon forward. And it's got an odd aftertaste. Like more pumpkin. No ancho chilies. I'm going to take another sip just in case. Just in case. Sometimes it takes two sips. <laughs> okay. Ancho chilies are a little in the front, but that's it. It's very subtle. Not really spicy. More I pumpkin say, than the chilies? Yeah. A lot more cinnamon than pumpkin. So if I heated this up, it, well, one would taste terrible, but two might taste more like a side. Um. Six out of ten. It's meh. Would you buy it again? No. No, I wouldn't. And I have three more of them. So. <laughs> have fun with those, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about you, buddy? What are you drinking today? I'm going with a mixed drink today. I mixed up some BSB brown sugar bourbon and some root mm. beer. Mm. That time of the year, man. It is. Shout out to it my is. buddy Evan for introducing that to me. Yeah, it's pretty good stuff. It's a little sweet for me, for my bourbon. I, I like sweeter yeah. stuff, so. I know, I know you do. So I'm the sweet, you're Especially the salty. Root beer, <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm not salty this week. Okay. It's more like, I'm the sweet, you're the spicy. <laughs> spicy and sour. Yeah. But it's the red hair, man. Come on. Yeah. Okay. So what you all were waiting for. Now they've been waiting Champions for Champions League, we had match day one. It did not disappoint whatsoever. Well, a couple of teams did, but the Champions League itself did not disappoint. So, on the 19th of September, we had groupie action. Lazio and Atletico Madrid. Man, this one ended 1-1, but I gotta it was say, all... Go ahead. This, pro- this game probably had my favorite moment for match week one. Yes. I, I think it's everybody's favorite moment. It was amazing. But- so... In a match pretty much dominated by Atletico Madrid. Up 1-0. It's the 94th minute. Lazio's goalkeeper, Ivan Pravda, came up the field and scored the tying goal at the death to cancel out Pablo Barrio's opener, which was in the 29th minute, becoming only the second goalkeeper in Champions League history to score in a group stage match. 
But wait, it gets more fun. The okay. coincidences. The coincidences. <laughs> Probdell was born in 1994. He stands at 1.94 meters tall. Where's the number 94? Scored Lazio's 94th Champions League goal in the 94th minute. I wish I could make it up. <laughs> the 94th goal part is, what I think, the one that gets me. Right? I mean, even that he scored in the 94th minute wearing number 94 is already coincidence enough. Yeah, But yeah. all of those, it's crazy. We both picked Atletico to win. Obviously, they did not. Okay. Because <laughs> of the 94th minute. <laughs> yeah. I will take that loss. All right, next we had Feyenoord and Celtic. This one ended 2-0 as Mayhem and Rotterdam as Celtic had two players sent off, save a penalty, and that all happened in between two Feyenoord goals. Spicy game, yeah. Spicy. Uh, you picked Celtic. I picked I did. Yeah, I don't know what you got against them, man. That's, that's two games you picked against them <laughs> in this episode. Yeah, okay. I know. They burned me on both of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they did. And then other things burned, but we'll get to that later. And then the group field. Death. <laughs> the group of death. Let's talk about AC Milan and Newcastle first. This one was the tale of two halves as Newcastle withstood a barrage of attacks by the Rossoneri to somehow come out of Milan with a nil-nil draw. Somehow. Milan somehow. should have scored in that first half. And At then Rafael Leao, man, he was four. like, impressed in the first half and then just disappeared in the second. It was almost like he about was embarrassed. Him, it's almost like he was embarrassed after dribbling through the entire Newcastle defense and then going to backheel it and then whiff and the fell worst over. whiff. <laughs> How does he do the hard part and just completely miss the ball? That was hilarious. I'm like why did you even try to backheel it? You had the whole half of the goal right there. Just put it I in mean, the you net. could have taken the shot like two guys before yeah. that he beat. <laughs> I don't know. At that point, I don't know, man. Uh, Milan had 25 shots in this one. Only nine of those were on target. Newcastle had six shots with one on target. So kind of uh, Nick Pope was fantastic in this one. He did have some Uh, nice saves, yeah. You picked Milan. I picked a draw. You saw it coming, didn't you? I don't know. It's like I got ESPN or something. Um, Next up, we had PSG and Dortmund. I'm surprised you let that joke go. ESP, not ESPN, yeah. Yeah, quoting Mean Girls in an episode. Uh, PSG and Dortmund. Mean Girls, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's rainy now, you know. Yeah. PSG swept aside a poor Dortmund side. um, And Paris enjoying 68% possession, winning 2-0. Of the 31 shots in this game, there were only four total on target. So. I watched this game, so I watched it on the cruise up until the 60th minute when they lost reception and then just never got it back. But I did see the two goals, that PK and the other goal. Well, I'll be honest with you, you really didn't miss much after that. I kind of figured, I was wondering like, ooh, did Dortmund actually get back or did it? this game finish how it looked like it was going to finish? And, and it, it looked like how, yeah, yep. it was going to finish. Um, PSG steamrolling. I mean, yeah, PSG steamrolled them. Uh, they look like they're just going to be a side that just tries to outscore everybody. They don't really care about defending. Um, when they find a team that's got a strong defense or counterattack, they might be in trouble. But Dortmund, to start the season, very poor. So they didn't really have to worry about much. Both picked PSG. So that was good. 
Okay, Group G action. We had Young Boys against RB Leipzig. This one finished 3-1 to one for Leipzig after a slow first half. They dominated the home side in the second half. We both played Leipzig. Leipzig. We called it. Yep. All right, Manchester City and Red Star Belgrade. I thought this was going to be an absolute blowout, and it probably should have been. Started out interesting, didn't it? But it did. Yeah, after being shocked by Red Star scoring on their first and only shot of the first half, Citizens <laughs> regained their composure to coast to victory on a Julian Alvarez brace. They did have 37 shots and 16 on target, so it wasn't for lack of trying. We both picked Sida in that one. Sida. Sida. All right, Group H, we had Shakhtar and Porto. Four first half goals. Ended 3-1 to one for Porto. Both teams exchanged three goals in eight minutes. The rest was all Porto. Porto. Called it. Called it. Barcelona-Antwerp. Um, I don't really have to say anything because it's five-star. Barcelona wiped the floor of the Antwerp in their first Champions League match. We both Barcelona. We called that one as well. Yeah. Um, but Barcelona looked much better and much more improved in Europe this season, I will say. They did Couldn't not get much worse than last season. That is very true, especially when you lose to Manchester United and you see how they're doing now. Speaking of Manchester United, on the 20th in Group A, we had Bayern Munich against Manchester United, which in what might have been the closest blowout that I've ever seen as it ends. I don't know if I'd call that. Man United started the game well. To me, it looked like men against boys for the majority of that game. Manchester United did start out well. Byron scored, and then it was pretty much smooth sailing from there with poor defending in the middle. But shall we start with how bad Andre Onana has been? <laughs> Not good. In the 28th minute, Leroy Sané's shot went right through his hands. Yeah, it was. Byron the lead. Should have saved that one. He should have. Um, I probably could have saved that one. I think he just would have had to stay still, let it hit his face. Yeah. I mean, he could have just kept his hands closed instead of trying to do this. Uh, the Bavarians made it 2-0 just four minutes later. Serge Nabry finishing off a fantastic run from Jamal Musiala. From the- How good did he look? Oh, Jamal Musiala, man. man. And just to think, he's still, what, 21? Something 20, like yeah, something like 20. that. Like, him and Jude Bellium are going to tear up the world from here, here on out, pretty much. Why you look that up? Yeah, I got United came flying out, out of the well, after half. They came flying. Uh, Rasmus Hoyland getting his first ever goal for the Red Devils after some wonderful play team play uh, in the 49th minute. And then three minutes later, VAR judged Christian Eriksen had handled the ball in the box. Harry Kane made no mistake. Put it in I thought that was corner. a rough call, man. There's a couple of those this week. Because it hits off of it was his thigh, his knee, somewhere on his leg, and then it and bounces then his up. kind of out like this. It's and it hits his hand. Yeah. yeah. It's harsh. It is harsh, but we need to start seeing more black and white with the handball. I mean, in the Champions League, you, you kind of know if it hits that hand, it it's mm-hmm. going to be a Nine PK. times out of ten. Yeah. Um, Casemiro made it. Two for United through some through a scrappy finish after some lovely team play by the Mancurians. Uh, yeah, pretty much scored laying on the ground. Yeah, dude, motherfucker scored just laying down. <laughs> Ball popped to him and he kicked it. All he's laying on his side, posing right in the bottom corner. 
Yeah. I know. Shit. What a finish. Like, I was just it like, was. was he laying down? Yeah. And it pretty much sums up United's day because a few moments later, Byron restored their two goal cushion uh, for the third time through uh, 18-year-old Matthias Tell. The wonderful finish. Just That was a good finish. Good dribbling, yeah. Yeah. And then Another Casimiro, exciting youngster. Oh, man. Every time he's on the field, he seems to score. When he had a couple of struggles comes on there. Sub, when he comes on Yeah, that, sub, that game he started before Harry Kane showed up, he had some chances that he should have finished and didn't. Uh, Casemiro would get his brace and a consolation goal for United in extra time, but it was pretty much over by then. Uh, just want to say some stats about Andre Onana. He, uh, 10 of his first 17 shots, well, 10 of his last 17 shots coming up into this game, including this game, uh, have all gone in. And I just want to remind everybody that David De Gea won the Golden Glove last season. <laughs> Drop the mic, walk away. Maybe he could have saved that uh, Onana and Hoyland money for Harry Kane? And maybe re-signed De Gea? Just saying. Uh, maybe this one would have ended 3-3. There you go. Or 4-3 the other direction. Because we picked two, Byron two. and mm. Byron won. So. Yeah. Speaking of 2-2, we had Galatasaray and FC Copenhagen. This one ended 2-2. But it might have been one of the most entertaining of the early matches on the 20th. I gotta tell you, this one was also on the cruise. And I was watching thinking, oh man, they picked this game to show <laughs> at the beginning. And then I was like, wait, this is a fantastic game. Yeah. Glad they picked it. I was very surprised. Yeah. Uh, Galatasaray coming from two back with the last five in the last five minutes to draw against 10-man Copenhagen in Turkey. Mohamed Elanousi scored the opening goal in the first half. You remember him? Yeah, Southampton days. Yeah, yeah. He's got to be getting up there in age. Mid-30s or something. I don't think he's uh, that old. It seems like he's been around forever. Uh, Diogo Goncalves got the second for FC Copenhagen in the 58 before Elias Julert was sent off and Sasha Bowie got one back for the home side in the 86 and then Tete made, got them level in the 88th minute. So yeah, a couple comments. First, Elianusi is 29. Okay. So you well, were off seems there. Seems like he's been around forever. So But that red card. So he got the first yellow I think it was the first yellow card he got for uh one of those new rules that time delaying or something like that harsh and then he bad tackle got a second yellow but then those two strikes from galatasaray man fantastic peaches yes absolute peaches 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 uh we both picked galatasaray to win this game they should probably should have um Props Interesting, Wilfred Zaha did not start that game. Yeah, came off I the was bench. Surprised. Yeah, maybe he's getting back into full fitness. I don't know. No idea. Uh, then we go to Group B. We start with Sevilla and Law. Sevilla took the lead Hello. off a Luis Ocampo's header in the ninth minute, and then the tying goal from Law was a golazo from Angelo Fulgini. Free kick, right into the top corner. 24th minute. You Beauty. picked a draw on this one. You knew something that I did not. I picked Sevilla. And they did not deserve to win this game. <laughs> I told right. you they have not been on, playing well. On to our boys. These guys here. 
Arsenal against PSV in their triumphant return to the Champions League after six years. They only waited 2,388 days, and they made a statement of intent in this match, winning 5-0. They only had to wait eight minutes to get it. 4-0. 4-0. Should have been 5 Whatever. Mikayo <laughs> uh, Saka getting his very first Champions League goal in the eighth minute. And then on the stroke of 20 minutes, in the blink of an eye, Arsenal go from one end to the other. Gabriel Jesus broke, led Saka down the line, who hit in across. And one of the coolest finishes, Leandro Trossard doubles Arsenal's lead. I did not think he was going to score that, if I'm being honest, the no. way that counterattack was he developing. That so sweet. Holy cow. Just I did not expect him to hit it that well, but he did. Curled it right into the bottom corner. Didn't even stand a chance. Yeah, it was a beautiful, beautiful finish. Lovely counterattack by Arsenal. And then they made it three in the 38th minute. As Trossard broke behind PSV's defense, played a wonderful peach of a ball to Gabriel Jesus, scoring his first goal of the season with a deft touch, and then just pile drove it right into that. He did. Corner. It was like a trap shoot. Yeah. His first goal since May, believe it or not. Um, I do believe it, the way he finishes sometimes. We'll get into that later. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Martin Odegaard got the fourth from distance after a runnerful one. Wow. Wonderful run uh, by none other than Kai Havertz. I got to give credit. He did credit something. He, he's been <laughs> terrible, and he was pretty good in this game. Uh, and then, side note, because the person who fed it, he fed it to. Emil Smith Rowe, what a reception when he came onto the field. Holy cow. That was awesome to see. Uh, and then Reese Nelson fed our Odegaard, who pretty much faked the shot, took a touch, hit it in from 25 out. Come on, you good. Low, low driver, yep. Yep. He's become quite a finisher. He's he has. Left and right. Um, we both picked Arsenal. Duh. All right. Group C, in one of the most intriguing matchups of the match day one, we had Real Madrid against Champions League newcomers Union Berlin. Uh, Real Madrid dominated possession in the first half, creating the best of the chances, but Union Berlin definitely uh, had their chances too. Union Berlin came out on the front foot in the second half, creating a more open game, which favored Madrid, allowing uh, them to catch Union with men forward. They went inches away from scoring numerous times if it wasn't for stellar goalkeeping from Ranau. And then with just and 90 seconds left. <laughs> yeah, a couple times. I'm pretty sure Joe Lissou uh, hit the post twice in this game. <laughs> Poor guy couldn't buy a goal. With just 90 seconds left in the game, Valverde received the ball from a corner, saw the shot deflected, and guess who it fell to? None other than Mr. Well himself. <laughs> yes. Hey, Jude, with another winner for the Madridistas. Uh, we both think Real Madrid to win. The other game in uh, group, what is this, group C? Braga against Napoli. Um, Napoli, honestly, is not. they've not been in great form this season. Kind of odd. They don't look as good as last year, huh? The light years away from that. Uh, they took the lead late in the first half through Giovanni Di Lorenzo. Braga leveled the match with a lovely ball from Rodrigo Zalazar. Found the head of Bruma in the 88th minute, and then Napoli would get a winner at the death through an unfortunate own goal from Siku Nyakate. 
Uh, Braga would hit the post with four seconds left in extra time, which I thought was a leveler. Unfortunately for them, it was not. We both took Napoli, and we got away with one. Yes, we did. All right, Group D. There's going to be a lot of me talking today. Uh, Benfica and RB Salzburg. Two penalties given to Salzburg in the first half. Uh, They missed the first one, scored the second. Uh, Take the lead as they shock Benfica to top the group after match day one. And they doubled their lead uh, after some nice pressing, forced to turn over high up the field. 19-year-old Israeli forward Oscar Gulak scored his first Champions League. Good moment. I told you not to sleep on Salzburg, man. Yeah, I did it. I mean, I did. Sorry. I did not expect them to win this game. I, I said a draw. a draw, but they wouldn't yeah. got to win. Yeah. Fantastic result for Salzburg. And I'll be honest, even in Portugal and Lisbon, Benfica did not look good, and Salzburg controlled this entire game. So they got some work cut out for them. And then last but not least, Real Sociedad, Inter Milan. This one ended 1-1. This Inter side was much different than the one that smashed AC Milan in the was that even the same team, man? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, they smashed Milan in the Derby della Madonina on the weekend. But Sociedad looks good this season, man. They dominated this match. Took the lead after a defensive mishap, mishap from Bastoni, allowing Brias Mendez to score with ease. And it took until uh, Lotaro Martinez got subbed on to level the match in the dying moments. As uh, David Fritesi played a ball in for him to finish inside the six-yard box. Nice yeah, low cross. Yeah. Went across and the box. Fritesi and... with a golazo on the weekend, I will say. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but they won one. I have not. On the weekend. Uh, we both pick Inter to win this one. I think a draw was definitely deserved. That's going to be an interesting group, man. Mm-hmm. Group D. Those are all... I mean, I told you Salzburg's no slouch. So those are all good teams. Yeah. The way that Benfica's playing, they could finish dead last. They could. Which would be a shocker. Okay. And the way Sociedad plays, maybe they get into the Champions League. Like someone predicted. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> we'll see, though. It's not me. I pick Benfica. That's looking like shit now. All right. <laughs> one game in. Yeah, one Maybe game in. One game in. There's a long way to go. Start, long start way waiting. to go. All right. Match week six in the EPL. We started off with the champions. Manchester Zita. City. Nottingham Forest. Uh, they continued their winning run to start the season. Uh, it was 2-0, but it probably should have been much more. But the big headline in this one, City went down to 10 men because Rodri was sent off for putting his hands around the neck of Morgan Gibbs-White. Bro, thought he was the undertaker for a second yeah. about to deliver a choke slam. Well, for Mr. Cool, Calm, and Collected, he don't played yeah. 68 games for Man City last year, I think it was. Uh, what? Where did that come from? You don't see that from him. Yeah. That's very out of character, it seems like, for Rodri. But... Yeah. And to make things worse for Manchester City, he is now suspended for three games. The last one? against Arsenal at the Emirates on October 8th. Without De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, and Rodri against Arsenal. 
Uh, you can say Gunduvan and Mares too, who also left. Having said that, Man City are perfect. Arsenal are not. Yeah, and Arsenal desperately need three points. So. And Arsenal don't. I mean, I'll be honest. They don't look as good this year as they did last year. Arsenal don't look like they've gotten out of second gear all season. <laughs> Neither has this Man City team. I know, which is the scary part. So, we both picked Sita, and they uh, pulled that one out. Next up, Crystal Palace against Fulham. Uh, this London derby goes down as a goalless draw at Selhurst Park in a game that lacked quality finishing and a cutting edge in front of goal. And I'll be completely honest, it was boring. Snooze fest, huh? Yeah. Very. You picked a draw in this one. Know something. Know something. <laughs> Next up, Luton Town against Wolves. Luton forced to wait for their first ever EPL victory at Kenworth Road as they draw against a struggling Wolves side. Ugh, this game, man. I thought Luton looked decent. And then there was the red card, which... It was like two players kind of got caught on... It was a weird one. Did you see it? Mm-mm. So there were two players kind of tangled up on the ground. One guy went to get up, and the player on the ground kind of pinched his legs together to stop the player from getting up. So that pissed him off, and so he turned and kind of kicked at him <laughs> while they're laying on the ground. Oh, Jesus Straight right. At first, you can see, it looks like he punches him. Like, he just kind of hits him with his hand, and then <laughs> he doesn't let go, so he kicks him with his other foot. And... <laughs> so I guess what he got, a straight red card. Straight red card, yeah. Um, Wolves actually scored first on this one. It was like a hopeful ball up to Pedro Neto, and he just takes care of the rest. Poor defending by Luton, and Wolves were up 1-0 until a PK saved Luton. Yeah. This one ending in a 1-1 drop. You knew something there, didn't you? Yeah, well, it starts a theme. Um, Okay. Brentford Surprise and result. Surprise one, result. I don't think anybody expected this result. Even Everton fans. Uh, because uh, they put in a composed and much-needed performance to get their first win of the season and their first three goals of the season. Uh, and to top it all off for Toffees fans, Dominic Calvert-Lewin finally scored after his lengthy absence from injury. Uh, I have no idea how long it's been since he scored. It's definitely been a long time. Yeah. Everton looked good, man. Redford looked bad and Everton looked good in this one. I thought it would be the other way around. So did you, but um, yeah, props. Can Everton sustain this for the rest of the season? If they can, they're probably looking at a mid-table finish. Yeah, I mean mid-table. I would say they can do that for half of the season. They're safe. Check this out. Everton has scored now as many goals as Chelsea. Well, we're going to get into that uh, in just a second, and I'm very (laughs) excited to talk about it. All right, but first we got Burnley against lowly Manchester United, and I. Surprised to say that, but you called me crazy for predicting them to get seventh this season. Manchester United give away with another win as they get dominated by Burnley, only to have a moment of brilliance by Sergio Regulon to Bruno, volleyed at home, and what a sweet volley it was. World class, man. Yeah, well, that's why they signed him, right? World class um, goal by Bruno. I mean, honestly, that could be a goal of the season contender right there, yeah, the way he caught that. Definitely. Definitely could be. That was a sweet goal. So sweet. He hit that so perfectly. I mean, an inch the other way, and that's off the post. Or keeper saves it. But, I mean, imagine if they didn't win this game. Even if they drew it. 
Oh, so they were on three losses on the bounce. Three, three. They've what was it? They passed three games. Three, they've one. conceded three goals, something like that. Three one was their last three score lines. Yeah, before this game. Oh, well, no, because it was yeah four, four three at yeah. Bayern, but three one against Brighton and three one against Arsenal. And so this, they needed this win, man. This was a much needed badly. win that badly might take a little pressure off of them, but. Right. Probably not a lot of pressure. I mean, let's who yeah. they play in this this weekend. They play uh, Crystal Palace. Yeah, their uh, bugaboo team. I wouldn't say maybe at Selhurst Park. Yeah, they, but they're not at Selhurst Park last season, and they beat them. Did they? Selhurst Park. So no, they drew at Selhurst Park. Okay, well then they took four points from United either way. Pretty sure. I remember it was a Michael Elise free kick. Yeah, and it was what a thing of beauty that was. And so that I think that could be a tough game. For, I mean, I think Crystal Palace will be a, tougher than Burnley. Oh yeah, and especially because I think Michael Elise might be back for that game. Imagine that return. could be, could imagine be. But return. imagine if they had lost this game, the what would the pressure have been like then? Well, let's see. Three points less, they'd be sitting on six points. They would be. Tied with Brentford for 13. One spot ahead of Chelsea. So, yeah. And we all know, well, speaking of Chelsea. Chelsea played Aston Villa. All the pundits, how all the pundits were saying, like, oh, you can't, these teams won't be as bad as last year. Man United will be better. Liverpool, Chelsea. Well, Liverpool is you, definitely better. Statistically, they all won't be better. It just doesn't happen. Liverpool is. The other two. Liverpool is. Chelsea's no, the same. Chelsea's. Chelsea's Exactly the same. Slightly yeah. worse. Slightly. Actually, they're slightly worse, I think. Uh, yeah. They got two draws and a win, and they had one win after Graham Potter got fired last season. I think, it, this, I, think I heard on something that this was their worst start in eight years or something like that, Chelsea. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into people, their game. A lot of people <laughs> forget that before Roman Abramovich, Chelsea was a mid-table side. They were. Just saying. So, Chelsea and Aston Villa. Villa snatched a late victory as Oli Watkins scored the game's only goal, and 10-man Chelsea slumped to an even lower low, losing at home yet again. Honestly, it's the way they're playing. Right? It's like nobody on the field knows what they're doing or where they're supposed to be. No progression. At least, I mean, we've said this is going to be a project that takes two years, three years, whatever, you know, whatever our prediction was because they just basically went and bought all this young unproven talent and are hoping they get better. Honestly, it's now what we're hoping for as a, if you're a Chelsea fan, I don't know if it's going to get better. Not, not anytime soon. I will say that. Um, before we, well, I guess we'll get into their next 10 games. Well, I mean, cause you look at the, for example, we talked about Roman Abramovich. That whole model was, Buy good quality players, win trophies, have a slump. Buy new high quality players, win trophies, have a slump. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how it seemed to go under Abramovich. And so they were used to winning those trophies, you know, every other year or so. But yeah. I don't know, man. We're It's going to be a rough couple years, <laughs> last year and this year. I And I think this year, like, the less competitions they're in, probably the better for them. The, no disappointment. But their next 10 games, they play Brighton uh, tomorrow in the Carabao Cup. 
then Fulham, Burnley, Arsenal, Brentford, Spurs, City, Newcastle, Brighton, Man United. How many points do you think they get from those games? Seven. You're gonna give them that high, huh? Yeah. I was gonna. Go I mean, with, I was gonna go with maybe three and like three draws. No wins because they can't score. Maybe they, they can't. Keep I mean, out of the net. Fulham are, can be dangerous, and Chelsea away from home is even worse than at home. It's just crazy because they looked so good preseason in that Premier League summer series yeah. they played in what, the U.S. What, was everybody else just that bad? Apparently. I mean, we've said you can't really look at preseason too much, and this is why. <laughs> this the Chelsea thing, team looked good, and the now they thing, suck. The one thing I will say about Chelsea's preseason, they did have Christopher Nkuku healthy. They did, and he's a big loss. Yeah. But you still had Nico Jackson and Mihailo Mudrik putting in goals this summer. In preseason, and there's there's a there's a force field over that goal for Port Nico Jackson, man. That guy can't. I don't. Hit I saw nothing. I, I saw a video of him dribbling down the field, and they're like the percentage chance that he would make it into the goal, and he's like wide open, and then they make it bigger, and they make it bigger, and they make. Oh, it I bigger. saw that. <laughs> and it's like four hundred and fifty percent chance he'll score, and he still missed it. <laughs> I like, yeah, I saw that. It's so bad. Like I think you sent that to me, if I'm being honest. <laughs> probably. Probably. Because I laughed hysterically at it. Um, next question, and probably the more important one. Who gets fired first? Eric Ten Hag or Maurizio Pochettino? Oh. I don't think either one should get fired. I think I do think Ten Hag is a good coach. Yeah. I think Poch needs more time. I mean, he's had six games. You want my opinion? Are you going to say Poch? No. No? I'm going to say Ten Hag. You know why? Why? Because of all the bust-ups he's had with his players. It seems to happen every three to six months or so. Cristiano Ronaldo. Now you have Jane Sancho. Granted, neither one of their attitudes is great. But he comes out. That's in why public I think you can't blame him. But he comes out in public and doesn't handle them the correct way. How? Maybe. Well, you know, obviously we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. But for a manager to do what he did to Sancho, you know, both both of us were against. He shouldn't have said something like that in public. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's tried everything and he's trying this as a last resort. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what what's happening behind the scenes. And quite frankly, I really don't care. I just think Eric Ten Hag and the money he spent. Todd Bowley's going to back Pochettino because this is a project and he knows it. The fans, I think at this point, probably accept it. Ten Hag, I don't know, man. There were some pretty harsh boos at the end of that game. Well, yeah, I would too, right? Like You accept it that it's a project, but how badly they're playing, you can never accept it. That that's the part, like I said, that gets me. It's the way they're playing. There's no progression. Like you can lose a game, but if you see some positives out of that game, then you know you can kind of take it with a grain of salt. But to lose the way they are, man, it, it doesn't look good. Yeah, I I don't I don't know. Um, I only have like bad stats for Pochettino and Chelsea. I, I don't have anything good to say about Ten Hag. So my bet is going to be on Ten Hag just because of the money spent and the expectations. 
I think just because of how long they've been at each club, I would I had to pick one. I'd probably say Ten Hag as well, because Poch has only been there six games. Ten Hogs, but I mean, you look at the season he had last year, man. I mean, they won a trophy, got in the Champions did. League. Mm-hmm. I just I think with you know the improvement of Tottenham, the improvement of West Ham, Newcastle is still there. You got the improvement of Aston Villa. We know Arsenal and Liverpool are going to be up there towards the end of the season. I mean that's. And Brighton, I mean, they're probably going to be up there too. Barring that's probably who Man United go for is is Deservey. Yeah, um, like the with that, that's nine teams, eight teams. So they're the nine. I know. You think of a club of their stature, though, they should be beating Brighton's, Villas, Tottenham's, Newcastle's. Yeah, but I I don't know, man. Uh, but let's finish talking about Chelsea and how bad they really have been. Because okay. since firing Thomas Tuchel, which, to be honest, still makes absolutely no sense, they've picked up 36 points from 39 games under four managers. Since that point, Erling Holland has scored more goals than Chelsea Football Club. So my Guess last who has question, more goals this season? Erling Holland, which is my Early last Nolan. question, is who's going to score more goals this season, Erling Holland or Chelsea? <laughs> the flip of a coin at this point. My bet would be on Erling Holland. <laughs> the way if Chelsea doesn't start improving, I'm going to agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! And Holland hasn't even been playing well, and he's still leading the scoring charts. So has he got eight now? I think so. Eight and six. Yeah. But you called Villa to win that. I did, um, because Chelsea's that bad. I think my direct quote was, Chelsea can't get any worse, can they? Well, maybe they're just out to prove you wrong. They are. We both picked them for our top four, and God, is that looking awful now. Terrible. Terrible. We call ourselves pundits. Um, eh, A real kick up the backside is what that is. All right, speaking of kicks up the backside, Brighton played Bournemouth, and they beat them 3-1 to one off of uh, super sub Kiro Matoma, who begs a second-half brace to give the Seagulls all three points, keeping them in third place. Yeah, scored his goal 17 seconds into the second half. Yeah, and what I'm most impressed about is his chemistry with Ansu Fati, because they both came on at the same time, and they we're just pinging the ball back and forth before his goal in 17 seconds. I think it's honestly more impressive his chemistry with Estupinian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, if those three can be on the field at the same time and somehow figure that out with that chemistry, Brighton are going to be chasing Manchester City for most goals scored this season. They are. And you know they're, in, they're ahead right now. By the way, they are, I think they have sixteen goals scored. Eighteen. Eighteen. Okay. City has sixteen. Yeah. And honestly, like watching them, one of my new favorite players for that team, he's been playing so good, man. Is Billy Gilmore in that midfield? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's been on fire. He looks real good. One to keep an eye on. Yet another player to leave Chelsea and reignite his career. <laughs> Speaking of players who are going to need to reignite their career, Sheffield United against Newcastle. 
<laughs> Newcastle become the first Premier League team in history to have eight individuals score in one game as they absolutely annihilate Sheffield United 8-0. Eight, 8-0. Eight, nil. Eight, nil. Eight, nil. I don't oh. know if Newcastle were that good or Sheffield United were that bad. I mean, it looked like a training match, if I'm being yeah. honest. 100%. But I do have a couple beef with a couple of these goals. Okay, let's hear The it. first one. Anthony Gordon kind of cut back. Like, I know VAR looked at it. Did the ball go out of bounds? Did it not go out of bounds? It didn't go out of bounds. But when the ball stayed in and it bounced, it hit his hand. And then he crossed it. Yeah, and I, that cross led to a goal, which would mean it, a it handball did. led to a direct scoring opportunity, which... I mean, obviously it was incidental. His arm was by his side, but when a ball hits your hand and leads to a goal, I don't know. Yeah. Rule, rule. let, I mean, the rule is, that's a handball. That so I thought that was black. weak. That is not gray area. That is black and white. And then for me, the third goal, man, I did not even think it was a foul, let alone a yellow card. So it was a foul, led to a free kick, and I think it was Sven Botman got on the end of that free kick to score. To me, this was two players coming together hard for the ball. Mm-hmm. The Sheffield United player caught the ball. He won it. He cleared it. And then they collided. And of course, you know, the Newcastle player went over, played injured, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't think it was a foul. I think it's two players going hard for the ball. One went in stronger than the other. Yeah. I thought that was weak as well. But it's also, I'm not trying to take nothing away from Newcastle because they played. I mean, even Sheffield without, those, park, even second without half those three goals, it's still 5 nil. So. <laughs> well, is, it's only two goals I have issue with. Oh, only two. Okay. So it's still be, yeah, six. Six, yeah. Um, yeah, that's the Newcastle squad we've been uh, waiting to see all season. And uh, unfortunately... Notice Tenali United, did not start. He did not. He was on the bench. Um, I was kind of shocked by that, but maybe that's because he played all 90 minutes against Milan midweek. In a very emotional. Did he play? I thought he came off. I think he played. Maybe he got a knock and came off. Maybe that's why. I don't know. I, I think Sean Long's, I, Longstaff in that midfield though helps them out quite a bit. Yeah. Um. And you know, with some of the depth they have and those players in their midfield positions against, uh, obviously against the newly promoted teams, they're going to be able to rest all their key players because, um, all the promoted teams are bad. Like Dude, really I was bad. I wanted to ask you that. Yeah. All I, three of them yeah. are in last place. So you got Sheffield, Burnley, Luton. Yeah. All Luton's, of them are in last place. You know, 20th, 19th, 18th. Yeah. Luton's in 18th because of goal difference. But yeah, I, they all are bad. One They're point. all sitting with one point. Yeah. And so I got a question. So is this, is it teams coming from the championship? Is that level just so you know, dispersed between Premier League and Championship? Are they unlucky? Honestly, I think a lot of it, well, in Burnley's case, I think it's style of play. Because in the Championship, you can can get away with dominating possession, playing like a Manchester City, because Vincent Kompany, you know, that's his DNA at this point. And you can't get away with that in the Premier League because everybody's bigger, faster, stronger, better. And I think they still want to play like that, but they have no alternative. And that's what's getting them into trouble. Luton Town, to be honest with you, I'm surprised they even made it into the Premier League. I think whoever won that match was doomed to be this bad. I think they'll probably steal some points from some teams at home 
but they really haven't played a lot of games at home. So I think that's their ultimate downfall. And Sheffield United, I, honestly, they should be better than they are, but you sell your two best players and you're going to get bit in the ass for it. So well, they didn't replace them. Yeah, and so I, I guess I'll give you my thoughts. So yeah, Luton, Sheffield, they, they don't look good. I will say Burnley have had a tough opening schedule playing yeah. Man City, Villa, their next Tottenham. Game is the the Luton game that got rescheduled. Yeah, and then they they did drop Forest Forest that's her one point. They played United, and then they got a tough one again up against Newcastle, and then they go to Luton. So I, I would say it's a tough schedule, and the, you're you're correct about the way they play. I don't think they're going to change that, and I do think against some of these lower teams they'll get results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, but yeah, any of that top of the table, top half of the table, if I'm being honest, yeah, I don't much. see them getting lots of points with that style of play. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if you look at the teams in the bottom half of the table too, I, I Brentford is going to give them problems. If they haven't already. Fulham, they could be a game where they do well. But I think like, Bournemouth, Ever- Wolves, yeah, maybe Everton, Everton, the Lutons, the Sheffield. Chelsea, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Chelsea. Um, <laughs> I, I try to keep a straight face. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I I think you're onto something there. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see how the teams around them do. Because I mean, Wolves are really bad this season. Everton, they've had one good game, and then they drew Luke. So I I don't I don't know. I just know that there's going to be a gulf in class and points from pretty much I think 13 down. 13 down, huh? Yeah. 13 up will be much better than 14 down. I would say, yeah, 15, 14, yeah, somewhere in there. So, um, it's still going to be a battle. I think someone will get, like, two teams will probably get relegated pretty early. Yeah. I know I picked, that was a bold prediction. Honestly, I picked it as a bold prediction because I didn't know what else to say, but I picked Luton to survive, so every time I'm rooting for him, man. And you picked... Everton to go down? No, Wolves to go down. Wolves. Wolves to go down. And then Sheffield and Burnley, yes? No, Sheffield and Bournemouth. Uh, well, I mean, that I still could happen. It still could happen. I'm not even going to get into what I picked because it is no longer anywhere near right. So, except for Luton <laughs> and Sheffield going down. Well, that's half of it. Over half of it right there. Yeah, well, I picked Burnley to finish. So, yeah. So. Anyways, our Fab Five games to watch. And man, were there some good ones. We'll start with the Madrid Derby. Atletico against Real. Man, did I think this game was going to be close. Closer, at least. It was not close. Uh, Yeah, that too. Uh, Atletico beating Real Madrid 3-1, and it probably could have been more, and they dominated this match. They came to play, man, Atletico. Which, I just want to address the monkey or elephant in the room right now. Uh, how did they lose to Valencia last weekend? 3-0. And then win this game, 3-1. I know Valencia. Have you ever heard that saying where you play down to your an opponent? But 3-0 is like or you play up wor- to your way opponent? worse than your opponent. <laughs> like, way worse. I don't know. But, Alvaro... Alvaro, Alvaro. had a game. He put Atleti he ahead did. in the fourth minute after a wonderful header pass. Kepa, 
Antoine Griezmann didn't want to be outdone getting his name on the score sheet with a header of his own in the 10th minute off a solid corner. Real got one back through a wonderful goal by Tony Cruz. Colasso by Tony yeah. Cruz, man. What a touch to set himself up for that volley on the edge of the box. Beauty. the defenders going the other way and just burying a laser beam. But a laser beauty. beam in the bottom corner. And then uh, Real's defensive frailties were there for all to see as Athletic's third in Athletic's third with Morata getting his brace. And it was a wonderful header after a fantastic cross. But man, you know, Real Madrid really need new outside backs. Like They need a left back for sure. Yes. Fran Garcia, and I think he got done in perhaps on... Perhaps a strike. Even Alaba, man. Alaba did not have the best game either. I mean, Morata made him look silly. Especially for that first one. It jumped right over it. And so, yeah, that defense, maybe it doesn't help. No Thibaut Courtois back there. I mean, on his day, Kepa's no slouch. But I don't think he would have really... I don't think Courtois would have done much with those three goals. You never know with him commanding his box. Could have came out. Who knows? Talking to defenders. Organizing a bit better. Yeah. Yeah. I just I think Real Madrid's defense is not as good as it was last season. I know Militao's out right now. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure he did his ACL. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big loss for them. But I mean, you think of their center backs in Rudiger and Alaba, you would expect them to be much better defensively. You would think. Yeah. <laughs> One would think. I don't know. Uh yeah, you picked Real to win. I picked a draw, and it was anything but. And then we go to De Classica. Spelled differently, yes. Uh, Ajax against Feyenoord. And man, was this one entertaining. No, Not a dull moment in this entire game. So, let's run through the sequence of events. Okay. Okay. Feyenoord scored twice through Santiago Jimenez inside of the first 20 minutes. And then Ajax fans throw flares on the field. So they suspend play, take the flares off the field. And just for all of you listening, in Holland, there is a very strict, no throwing anything on the field, three strikes, you're out policy. So they suspended play to arrest the person who threw the flares on the field, or people. So they all got arrested, taken out of the stadium. And then Igor Pajau made it three in the 38th minute. And Ajax Ultras threw more flares onto the field. That's strike two. So they come back on, play the extra seven minutes, go into the locker room. Come back out. Seven minutes in, throw more flares onto the field. <laughs> and then the game got abandoned. But what gets worse is the amount of smoke and flares in the stands after this. It looked like not even a bonfire, but like a forest fire. Like, you could not see any of the fans on the entire side of the stadium. It was insane. Wild, man. That's wild. But uh, it's probably a good thing that it happened, because uh, it would have only got worse for Ajax, because they are terrible this season. They are not doing good. Yeah, they're sitting in 14th place in the Eredivisie. And Feyenoord sitting up there in fourth. Yeah. Um, quote from Marco Van Basten, though, who I believe coaches Ajax, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. 
I think so. Anyways. I can look real quick. He said that they should just stop playing football in the Netherlands because fan violence will just keep happening. This is one of the greats of Dutch football, and he's saying they should just stop playing football in Holland. He's a former manager of IX. So, yeah. Pretty damning, I would say. Former player. Okay. He's a Dutch great, nonetheless. Oh, he was a manager as well, yeah. I just thought it was nuts that he, of all the players in the world, someone as great as him would say that. Like it says something. Don't go to Holland to watch games. Especially if you're an international fan. Okay. To Le Derby. PSG and Marseille. I wish I could say that this game was close. Me too. PSG, though, back to their attacking best because they dominated a haphazard Marseille squad. And I just want to talk about the first goal because corner of the box. Ashraf Hakimi starts it off with style in the eighth minute. And yes. What a free kick. Holy cow. He bent that in inch perfect. It looked like Messi, not Hakimi. And just the power he got on it, too. Kicking it because he kicked it with the inside of his foot. Mm-hmm. And the amount of power he got, man, was insane. I didn't, I didn't even think the keeper moved. It was nuts. Tried. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then uh, Randall Kolomowani started to get on the score sheet for PSG as he showed some great timing in the second. First for the club, Akimi's shot hit the post. Fortunately, it hit Paul Lopez in the back. I saw, yeah. Then <laughs> Kulamani was there to tap it in. Poachers finish. Yeah, tapped it in. But good for him. First goal for PSG. And probably his best game for them so far. Um, the next goal would be Usman Dembele. Put the ball on a platter. Goncalo Ramos with a wonderful header. To put them ahead in the 47th. Well, his first goal for the club. Putting them further ahead in the 47th minute. And then I just want to talk about this last goal for PSG. I don't know if you saw it, but Kolomowani ran about 75 yards past his defender and then crossed it to Goncalo Ramos, who just tapped it in. But, yep. holy crap. It was a great run. Fantastic, yeah. And the only issue for PSG in this one was Mbappe did come off injured. Yeah, it was pretty early in this game. About the 30th yeah. minute he came off, but they brought on Goncalo Ramos, and he scored two goals. So. You pick PSG, and somehow I picked a draw. You know, sometimes I get a lot right, and sometimes I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? And this is one of them. <laughs> that was one of them? <laughs> yeah, very much one of them. Like, come on. Did I even look at what Marseille's been doing this season? No, I did not, and I should have. They're not doing bad. No, but PSG second. also very good this season, especially going forward. It's France, so, I mean, how do you... PSG show how do you not up for pick PSG? those games, I guess. I don't know. Okay, back to the Premier League. We had Liverpool and West Ham, and Liverpool run rampant in the second half to run away with three points, winning three to one. I'm going to say it, man. Joe Gomez at right back makes them look a little bit more solid defensively. Just saying. I would say uh, what I've been saying all season. Why don't they just put Trent in the midfield? Because they got McAllister and... Sabotsoy. Sabotsoy and... 
And who else played? <laughs> who else played that game? <laughs> I'm just saying, you put those three in the midfield, you're going to create goals from everywhere. Curtis Jones, that's who it yeah. was. That was going to drive me nuts. And let, I mean, we can agree that Trent is much better than Curtis Jones. Much better passer of the ball, that's for sure. I just yes. don't get, man, do you think McAllister stays in that number six role all season? No. No. He's, they got to move him up to that number 10, the way he's been pinging the ball around. Especially, or number eight, something. Yeah, you got to move him up to the 10. Although I know Sabat's like, He's a, he's less defensively inept. As Why not put Endo back there though? Then that's isn't that what they bought him for? Yeah, but then you're you're going to take out somebody. You know, Trent's healthy. You're just not going to play Trent. You're not going to play McAllister. You're not going to play Sabotsloy. Well, I think Cobb's going to play Trent at that right back position. So I, I don't think that matters. Fair. I'm just saying you have a a good debate there for Joe Gomez to stay at right back. He looks pretty good defensively, I will say, mm-hmm. Liverpool. Yeah, and he's um, seems to be less. What's the word I'm looking for? Exposed at cent- than he is at center back. So yes, I mean, obviously he's not going to create like Trent, but when you have Mo Salah, Luis Diaz, Darwin yeah, Nunez, yeah. Jota, Cody Gagpo, all can go up front, man. They got enough creative talent, and they got a lot of firepower going forward. It's just how yes, they, they do up that defense. So I think that's a great, a great debate there. But as far as Liverpool goes, Mo Salah was brought down in the box by Ogard, Ogard, Aguard, Aguard. Uh, obvious penalty. Oh yeah, stuck a leg out, caught him. Yeah, he didn't even argue. He just turned around in disgust. He just went, damn. Yeah, <laughs> damn. And Damn. then uh, Mo Salah steps up to <laughs> convert the penalty, going straight down the middle. Yep. And then Jared Bowen continued his hot start to the season as he leveled the match with a wonderfully deft header. Diving header, man! Diving what a header. beautiful diving he- header! Do I don't even, I don't even understand. How do you find the bottom corner from that angle, but also a diving header? Like that was so perfectly in the bottom corner. Like and like he was. Head. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention he made Virgil van Dijk look bad getting to that ball before him. He ran a solid five yards to get to that ball, and van Dijk was standing right there. I love Jared Bowen, man. He's one of my favorite players for West Ham. He's so fun to watch. Him and Paqueta. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm interested to see how long both of them stay there, but we'll see. Then Alexis McAllister played a peach of a ball over the top to Darwin Nunez, who uh, just peach of a finish definitely touched it into that corner to finish off a lovely move to give Liverpool the lead again. I don't know how he scored that man. He scores that, but not some of these sitters he has. He had a sitter in this game that yeah, somehow he hit so that. far wide. I was like. Waiting, I was waiting for the net to ripple, and then he shanks it wide. And, and you're like, is this Darwin Nunez or Nico Jackson? I can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> and then he has that finish. I'm like, okay, Darwin. Yeah. He, he reminds me of, I mean, the other end of the field, but a player who would 
like miss the easy things, but make the miraculous and Fabian Bartes for Manchester United when he played keeper. Because he would make the most miraculous saves, but would miss the easiest saves on earth. Darwin Nunes is the same. Misses sitters, scores absolutely beautiful goals. <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't get it. Liverpool got their third off corner as Van Dyke headed the ball back across. It bounced around a little bit, and Diogo Jota tapped it in. Fortunate for it to land at his feet, but it did. A little taparoo. Mm-hmm. Tap, tap, tap it in. We both picked Liverpool. They came out winners. And then we get to our favorite match of the week. What we wait all season to watch, the North London Dark. Ooh. Arsenal and Tottenham. The match that always turns a bit ugly. Five players came off injured as Spurs hold on for a hard-fought point. I would say a deserved point. I would say so, too. And uh, I'll get into that a little bit later. But into the goals. Huge deflection off of Romero after a wonderful move by Bukayo Saka. Gave Arsenal the lead. Only a minute and 49 seconds later, Young Sun Min. Leveled the match after James Madison turns Bukayo Saka, making him look absolutely silly. Yeah, poor defending. Not only poor defending, but I'm pretty sure he was still doing James Madison's celebration. That's what James Madison said. (laughs) Yeah, I think he's right. Romero would be involved in the other Arsenal goal as he was deemed to have handled the ball, denying Ben White an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. Saka stepped up, and I'll be honest, he sent me the wrong way with that penalty kick. I thought he was going left the whole time he went right down the middle. And Vicario also thought the same thing. Handball for you, pretty obvious. Clear yeah. cut. Yeah, I mean, his arm was up here. I should never be and the ball would have gone... Most likely in in the the net. There was nobody there to stop that. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, after yet another wonderful move by James Madison and an awful mistake by Jorginho. Terrible, dude. Terrible. Got caught on the ball. Ugh, terrible. Yeah, James Madison won the ball from Jorginho, played the ball to Son, and he got the second. Were you impressed by Spurs in their first big test of the season? Yeah. Just for Ibn reference, Suma looks like a player. And Sons back to his top form. And Postecoglou's first season as manager of Tottenham has completely transformed them. It took Mikel Arteta three years. It's taken him six games. Yeah. You know he has his style of play that he wants to do, mm-hmm. and they're going to stick to it. I mean, you could see in the first half, Arsenal put that press on, and Tottenham did struggle, but they kept at it, kept at it. Arsenal got a little tired, they had injuries, new players came on, and it worked for them. Um, And then, I know I said at the beginning of this episode that we would talk about it, Gabriel Jesus is finishing. (laughs) Arsenal up 1-0. Should have made it too. Wins the ball off of James Madison, and has an opportunity to just literally slot the ball in the net and blazes it over. I think I heard one of the commentators or someone say, if only his finishing was as good as his pressing, he'd have as many yeah. goals as Erling Holland. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Because, I mean, I think you or I would have scored that one. At least hit the target. Yeah. 
Now, I'm not going to blaze it over right over the goalie's but head. Might hit it right at the goalie, but you... <laughs> yeah, I, I just I don't understand. He's so good on the ball, and his passing is great. His pressing is fantastic. His finishing is awesome. Yeah, and honestly, the substitutes didn't offer much. Kai Havertz, Kai Havertz, Kai Havertz. Um, he's he's at this point. I will give him the uh, he's okay. Thought it was interesting that Eddie Nketia started. Do you want to get into that now? <laughs> I was, you know, I know Trossard was out injured for this one. Martinelli's obviously out injured. I was hoping a Smith Rowe appearance. We did. We got like 25 minutes of him. He made a difference, but is the players they put in around him, I don't think they helped much. So um, Declan Rice coming off at halftime to back spasms didn't help. Um, Saka limped off. Came off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Madison, came Madison Madison came off in this one. Madison came off. I think off that could be a huge blow for and Spurs. Brendan Johnson in a no contact injury. Apparently he pulled his hamstring. So he'll be out for a good month. Yeah. So um Declan Rice and Leandro Trossard to miss the Carabao Cup match against Brentford tomorrow. But should be back in both of them will be back apparently in time for the Manchester City game. So we don't really need to worry about that. They play more. So Interesting lineups from Mikel Arteta. You want to talk about David Raya getting the start here over Ramsdale? Yeah, it's third game in a row. I will see the say, new number one with the way he played in that, especially uh, contender for save of the season when he had to come all the way back across the goal and saves it on the goal line with a paw. I I was I turned my head and said that's a goal when not even watching to see if he saved it. And then all of a sudden I heard them yelling and I turned around and David Rice somehow saved it. I don't understand. Both but goalkeepers, I, I would say, played well in this so game. so bad for Ramsdale. It's not like he's really done anything wrong or bad. He was fantastic for Arsenal last season. And, I mean, I guess that's what we get with Arteta. He's that ruthless. I mean, he said he wants two players for each position. Yeah, and I mean, with the amount of competitions Arsenal in this season, you think, what if someone gets hurt, one of the goalies? Then you have a number one goalie to replace them. I mean, the drop-off from Matt Tur- from Ramsdale to Matt Turner last season was monumental. And we saw that in the Europa League. And then you have now the drop-off from Raya to Ramsdale. It's pretty much non-existent. So I'll give him credit for Ramsdale- that. Is Ramsdale okay playing second fiddle, getting in these cup games with the Euros around the corner and him fighting for that number one spot? I I believe that Arteta has told him that he's not second fiddle. That there's two number ones. And that Raya will play for certain situations and Ramsdale will play for certain situations. However, I, I feel bad for the guy. David Raya, I'll be honest, I think he's a better goalkeeper. I do. He's better on the ball, although his long balls in the North London Derby were awful. I don't think he completed a single one. But his distribution is pretty good. He's better on the ball than Ramsdale. He scares me less than Ramsdale. But Ramsdale's... They're different characters as well. Yes. Like, you notice after that save, Raya 
got right up back to business where, you know, Ramsdale's pumping yeah. the air, excited. Yeah. So I don't know if maybe Ryan is just a little bit more cool, calm, collected I, he, than he's also Aaron older, Ramsdale. I think Ramsdale's, what, 24? And I think Raya's 26 or something like that. Uh, Raya is 28. 28, okay. And I know Ramsdale's pretty young, so maybe it's just, you know, na- naivety. Maybe it's, uh, you know, the youthful aspect of it where you just want to celebrate everything. Ramsdale's 25. So three-year difference, but yeah. 25, he's not 22. No, he's not. I, I'm I'm very interested by it. It's a it's a debate I've heard numerous times everywhere. Watch. I hate the fact that everyone's just dismissing it, saying, well, "How could you do this to Ramsdale? He won. He got Arsenal in the Champions League last season. You're just going to bench him and start this new guy that you start, you got." I don't think it's that simple. Everybody's thinking more old school way of. You have one. One starting goal. That is it. You have your number one and your number two. It's that clear cut. I don't think it's that simple. I think Arteta's got a plan. I'm interested to see if it backfires. I think it might. But I think Ramsdale wants to fight for his spot. I think Ramsdale wants to fight, but... At what point does he say, I've had enough of this? Yeah, or... Probably next summer. Even if, you know, the defense, too. Like, who... Do they know who they're going to have back there? I don't know. I would I would assume so. As a coach, you probably train for that the week before. Yeah. As who you're going to have in goal and have your defense playing with that goalie. So, you know, you know what they're going to do. Are they going to come out for this cross or are they not? Or, you know, situations like that. But it's an interesting one to keep an eye on. That's for I sure. Will say, I, I will say that if Ramsdale doesn't start against Brentford, there's going to be a problem. It's the Carabao Cup. Oh, yeah. Start okay. David Raya for a fourth straight game during that game. I understand it's his old club. Technically current club. Because he's on loan. I think Ramsdale starts to have a th- thought about it where he's just... I don't know how much longer I can take just getting put out to the... You know, to the wolves, essentially. Well, Well, it's one to keep an eye on, man, that we will certainly cover as the season progresses. And I am very, very excited to see it. So uh, before we conclude this episode, I just want to say my winning streak has continued for the third straight week. As uh, I won 20 to 18 this week, match week five, uh, I won 12 to 10, and I only missed two games, which is the Bayern Munich and Bayern Leverkusen game and Burnley and Nottingham Forest. And to be honest with you, a Burnley Nottingham Forest game should have ended in a draw, like I said, but it did. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe I picked no, I picked Forest to win, and it ended in a draw. Well, you had a good slice of humble pie there, man. I did. <laughs> I did. Uh, that brings but- us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening, for watching. Make sure to like, subscribe. We appreciate it so much. It helps us grow and continue doing this. Of course, check out all the fa- socials. YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. We love you guys. Thank you so much. As always, cheers.